This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. Women March on Washington and the Paradise Papers are released. Moonlight meets La La Land, Me Too creates a reckoning, and Snapchat debuts its dancing hot dog. Uh, yes, there is an election in Nova Scotia, Peter Mansbridge retires, and Canada celebrates 150, not Peter retiring. The world is filled with so-called fake news and alternative facts. It's 2017. Good evening, everyone. I'm Steve Murphy. This is 25 for 25. Jacob. Tara Thorne. How are you? I'm okay. Mixed emotions? Oh, sad, happy, excited, annoyed. There's a massive <laughs> power outage right now in the city. Oh, yeah, but we have power but where we are. we have power here. Yeah. It's a miracle. The 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 NS Powers knew we, we were recording the last episode today. Yeah. And they were like, make sure that studio has power. <laughs> uh, it is episode 25 of our little show. Called? 25. Four. 25. And it's been a long road. <laughs> it has been. <laughs> it's been a long road. We're punchy. A little bit. A little bit. Um... Seven, eight months ago, we, we started Yeah, this. May. It was in May, right? Yeah. We did the pilot in May, uh, the unaired pilot, and then we kind of tried to replicate <laughs> it uh, for June. And, and it's gotten better over time, I think. Covering I 25 years worth of bands, bars, Barrington businesses, Street. Barrington Streets, and big news stories yeah. in Halifax over the past quarter century, as viewed through the lens of the city's alternative weekly newspaper, the coast. That's where, where we you work. work. And so do you. And I do too. And it has power as well. It does today. <laughs> All the things we need today are working out for us. Now, mm-hmm. I understand you have some mail. Yeah. We got a little bit of viewer mail right before okay. the end, which is nice. Uh, let's see here. So, this is from Ian. I'm not going to say his last name. Okay. I don't know why, but I just, I'm going to preserve his <laughs> privacy that way. Tara and Jacob, as a student from Dartmouth who's been living away for a few years, I just want to let you guys know that I absolutely love the podcast. I look forward to it every week, and it really is a nice reminder of home as well as a good way to learn about things that happened before I was old enough to understand slash remember. I know you guys probably are content to be finished this series, but if you ever decide to do another podcast, I will definitely subscribe. Give it a thought. Best wishes, Ian. Thank you, Ian. I think we're going to start a Starsborn podcast <laughs> coming in the new year. Maybe, yeah. So, Ian, keep an eye out for that. 52 weeks of a Starsborn. The shallow, we're going to call it. Breaking down every scene, every moment. <laughs> every directorial choice of Bradley Cooper's and how it differed and we're not gonna from the s- previous versions. <laughs> we're not going to stop until we get Lady Gaga on the show. That's right. That's our goal. Uh, another letter. This is from repeat letter writer Grayling. Oh, I like this letter. I know this one already. <clears throat> Dear Tara and Jacob, dear Jacob and Tara, actually, she writes. I'm I'm first on that one. You were first on the other one. Good. Usually when I see that a podcast episode is over an hour long, I get annoyed because who has an attention span that long? I hear that. What could they possibly be talking about that is worth that much time? 25 for 25 is, of course, a welcome exception. Listening flies by with laughter, sobering moments, and surly thoughts, the third mostly from Tara. Hey. <laughs> All encompassed by a deep understanding and appreciation of the city we call home. As much as it is an anniversary podcast from the coast, it is also very much a celebration of Halifax. It is clear so much passion and energy went into it, and it is deeply appreciated. 
Uh, I'm going to keep reading a little bit more. It's a very long letter. This is an abridged version. Uh, the podcast was not without its more controversial opinions. Huh. Like uh, what? For me, the most protestable shocking was the assertion that Dee Dee should not have a place to sit. <laughs> that was me. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like the crowds. I don't. Dee Dee's. It's awkward in there. Grayling's fondest Burger Week memory was taking her highly confused father to an ice cream shop on a slushy March Monday for a veggie burger. We were two of the four people there, and there was still hardly any room. I wouldn't change that for anything. Hmm. I, w- I would. <laughs> Otherwise, thanks so much. Um, yeah, it's a lovely letter. Thank you so much, Grayling, and Ian, and everyone who listened. Yeah. You guys are great. Uh, we always talk about how people come up to me and tell me they listen to the podcast, and then I just relay that information to you. Yeah, because I don't run into people. I don't right. go to things. <laughs> it's like, I go to work, <laughs> I go to my house. That's what I do. But yeah, it's nice to hear I get a lot folks, of a lot of nice great. people in, out in the world saying some nice things. So I guess that will end very soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure in years to come, yeah. people will come up to us. Like, oh, you know what? Did you used to do a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we That's did. what I hope to be known for. <laughs> Today on the show, Tara. Are we even going to say or are we going to let people wonder? I think we should. No, we it'll should be in the episode it? title. We're going to explain it. Yeah. So... When we started this show, um, the coast did not have the dedicated news coverage that it has now. And it was smaller and it was biweekly. So you went to a lot of alternate news sources. I don't think people knew this. This I tried to stop you from doing this. Well, we also started, the coast started halfway through the year. So it's like. But you were going to the Nova Scotia (laughs) archives and reading old daily newses and old heralds. And and, the library. They had some too. Yeah. So you were doing a lot of extra research. And um, about five episodes in, I said, do you realize you've mentioned Steve Murphy every episode? And you can also hear me saying in the debut episode, I think in like the first eight minutes, I love Steve Murphy because I do. He's <laughs> like do. He's a hero of mine. And um, I got to interview him, I don't know, it was like a dozen years ago or something. 2006. Yeah, and he was lovely. Um, oh, that is a dozen years so, ago. So, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thanks a lot for fact checking that. Uh-huh. And uh, so we started doing it deliberately. Yeah. And I don't know if anyone noticed or didn't notice, but we, it was a we fun missed thing. a couple. I think we missed one. Uh, some someone was, can tell us. But. Yeah, it was a nice little Easter egg for ourselves. Um, and then we thought, why don't we get Steve on the pod? Why don't we see if we can try? He's obviously going to be way too busy. Yeah. And not interested in our dumb little yeah excuse to leave the office in the afternoon every mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it took uh, 30 seconds on the phone. Yeah. I called CTV's general number. (laughs) (laughs) Said, uh, can you patch me through this? Can I be to Steve Murphy or Steve Murphy's gatekeeper? And they laughed. And she said, I'll patch you through. And there was Steve. And he was into it right away. Yeah. So. So. Two dreams have come true for me via the podcast, which is not a sentence I thought I would ever say. One is that that we got to reunite the Nearly original cast of Street Sense. Yep. Which was also an easy thing to put together. Very easy. Just a sausage, little, yeah. making the sausage note for people. Um, and now Steve, Steve Murphy. Murphy is coming up. And number three, we got to hang out and yeah, learn a lot a about lot. the city. And each other. Yeah. yeah. So that was fun. What it were was. you up to? 2017, any memories? Uh, oh, I put my record out finally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's May a six, big one. May 6th, I think. Yeah. May 6th was the release show. It was really fun. It was like, it was good. <laughs> I, I, it's sort of one of those things that it took so long to get to. It took four years from completion of the record to it actually being released, and I was sort of uh, tired. Yeah, were you sort of like 
had moved past it almost. Yeah, it yeah. was it was like it was a relief, and it was good to just uh, have it out there. And so it's not mine anymore, as they say. Belongs to the city, to it all does. of us. <laughs> Uh, when, so yeah, uh, what were you doing? Okay, I was going to ask when oh. the next album drops. Oh, never. I don't think it'll happen. No. It I, will. I well, bet. We'll crowdfund. Crowdfund for me? It. Okay. Yeah. What were you doing? It. I don't remember. I like I know all the I, I get these oh, later you know years what? blurred together. So, 2017, late 2017, Steph went on maternity leave mm-hmm. again, so you became mm. interim arts editor, the job mm-hmm. you currently hold. Mm-hmm. And not yet but eventually, next year, we would become pod mates in our weird open office. Not <laughs> podcast mates, but pod mates where our desks are back to back to each other. Because for the most of 2017, I was in this weird little alcove oh, we yeah. have, um, which I had a lot of space. It made me look more important because why did I have my desk in this separate section sort of right. of the office? Um, but also the floor was... <laughs> So slanted. slanted that like pens would roll yeah. off my desk. And after a few months, I actually started developing uh, some acute back pain because yeah. I would have to like brace yourself, brace myself yeah. all day long. Yeah. Um. But then, yeah, you you were like, just move out here with us. <laughs> and we and became great fast friends. We yeah, did, now we're much now more we're annoying. super annoying. <laughs> that was really the start of this podcast. People come over to ask us one of us a question. The other one turns around and then they, they regret ever <laughs> coming. But that's why we have a texting system, inter-office messaging system that people yeah. seem to forget about. Shout so just slack. slack us. Don't don't come over. Come over at your peril. <laughs> um. Yeah. So we are. I mean, that's what we were up to. But there's so much to talk about in mm-hmm. 2017. Before we get to Steve, let's get into it one last time. What let's do you say? Do it. Hit me with some shop talk. Okay, uh, Bar Kismet opens. Oh, wow. Raising the bar on fish dishes, delicious fish to dishes <laughs> on Agricola Street. Uh, renovations shut down the kitchen at Baku's for most of the year, but the business keeps running thanks to its Bedford location and some pop-ups at the local beer gardens. This is so funny because I got tired of myself saying, I remember that over the years, <laughs> but yeah. I literally remember all of this because it was last year. It happened last year. Mm-hmm. It's good that you do remember it. So I might not react as much because just trust that I remember it. That's fine. We'll go through fast, and if you got anything, Tara, jump right in. Roll on two. Start serving. That's the right what? name? Chimney roll cakes. On. I just know it is the chimney cake place. Oh. Is roll on two the right? I don't know. Don't care enough to look at the moment, but the <laughs> chimney cakes are good. Hungarian delicacy. The Dome launches a new dress code. Oh, that didn't Vaguely go racist well. sort of. Yeah thing that we see from lots of these places uh the spring garden area business association makes an advertisement called simply magic <laughs> ah, when all the when all the things that women wanted just turned into like candy and shirtless men, men. Uh, hats uh, that make my butt look amazing we should play a clip from that maybe <laughs> It's wow. not intended to preach, says a business association board member to CBC. Relax and get a life. Oh, right. It's so bad. Please Google it. It's so funny. <laughs> the Coast, us, yeah. hires its it. first weed reviewer, Lucy LaPlante. Mm. Not her real name. No shit. In case anyone's curious. <laughs> uh, there's a live Donaire cam. Uh, Remember that? What does that mean? No. I think King of Donaire set up a webcam. On the spit? On its spit. And people thought that was interesting for a few weeks. Oh yeah, it's like mm-hmm. when it, like when it's like, oh, so baby eagles are coming out of the eggs, yeah. and then you get over it. Well, because just like send me a text alert away. when yeah, it's end of 
when it's Friday at 1 a.m. and I'll watch the Dunair game. <laughs> the Canteen and Yaya's Pizza add to the Dartmouth Renaissance. So-called. Uh, So-called. Continuing. Ongoing. Gordon Ramsay. Famous celebrity chef. Famous yeller. Yes. Adds Benjamin Bridge, 2008, the brute to his London restaurant's wine list. I that didn't makes know the that. news. Yeah. That's a new fact. Probably for not me? still on there. Maybe, maybe is. <laughs> Who knows? Go to London. Seasonal, probably. Check it out. Yeah, Texas from London. <laughs> if we have any British listeners, <laughs> go to that fancy restaurant and let us know. Uh, due to multiple noise complaints, the Timber Lounge on Agricola Street is no longer permitted to host amplified shows. That was bullshit. Acoustic performances still allowed. They don't really do them, though. Boy, things change. There was one. And they remain the same. Yeah, it Loud was like one person making End. a complaint. It's all it takes. Discovery Center opens its new location down in the old Electropolis. Beautiful space. Yeah, much bigger, much nicer. Mm. Though the, the other location definitely adds charm. Well, and it was more centrally located. It was fun that this weird multi-level thing just existed downtown. Yeah. But I think everyone agrees in the location. They can do big, more expanded mm-hmm. stuff. Discovery Center, uh, sorry as a tangent, just... Great that that exists. Yeah, in the city, fantastic spot. <laughs> Just like a little science play emporium. Yeah, take your kids. I don't have any. Rock Candy Boutique on Prince Street closing after yeah. fourteen years. Uh, Taiyaki Fifty Two opens on Brunswick Street. Dessert cafe hmm. with famous fish-shaped filled waffles. We didn't really talk about it, but that section of Brunswick. It came up. Yeah, it uh, got a bunch of new hotels and new office retail space that kind of all sat empty for a little bit. Uh, well, some of it still is, but yeah, it looks like it's almost mostly full. Because now Inkwell's there. Um, Two Crows is there. Two Crows. Orso. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Orso little, is in It's a good little too. stretch now. Orso, which has uh, guacamole-filled onion rings. I've had them. Not the best. And also a big uh, bear sculpture. Sculpture big of bear sculpture, a bear the animal. Which you know they put for like Instagram. So pe- I'm yeah. sure people like uh, get their picture taken with the bear attacking them. But also they have uh, $10 pictures of Olin's, I hear. There you go. So I am going to get there at some point. I'm surprised no one's stolen that bear. <laughs> it's probably him. It's on wheels. Oh. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just throwing that out there, hey, universe. Hey, pranksters. Art pranksters, get on it. Uh, what else? There's a chat time on Barrington Street now, too. So a lot nice. more bubble tea options. More Mr. Bubbles. Burns Barbecue on the Run food truck sets up on the lot on Barrington. Across from Superstore. I don't think it's still around, but sure. good uh, barbecue for a little while. Tin Pan Alley opens on Duke Street. Mm-hmm. Kaiser's in Sackville. Your favorite. Celebrates 40 years. Wow. Melissa Biot writes a lovely testimonial to the place near and dear to my heart and Allison's heart. <laughs> um, it's great, Kaiser's. And I went there the other day, and I'll just say this. Somebody asked me, why is Kaiser's so good? And there are signs up in the store, one that says um, explaining how they're raising their prices for like the first time in 13 years by like 30 cents. because And it's saying like, hey, you know how you're paying more for groceries? We are too. Here's what our lettuce costs now. Just very simply explaining why they're raising prices for like the first time in anyone's memory. And then another sign explaining all the days they take off. They take like two weeks off after New Year's Day for uh, rest and recuperation. Hmm. And and I just like that it is a small shop that's not about exploiting people. It's just a lovely place that people work and they take time for themselves and they raise their prices as needed. And it's a very community sort of institution. Love Kaiser's quite a bit. And it's good. Uh, Vernon's Thunderbird opens on Hammond's Plains Road. What is sort that? Of a car place? Fifties diner type oh, thing. I would, I would like a, to go to there. 
he has like a Mustang. Vernon, I think, is like a property developer, or owns a lot of spots around Hammonds Plains Road, and he has this like 19, who the fuck knows, 60s like yellow Mustang convertible type thing. And it's housed in the restaurant. And part of me wonders if that was like he found a way to make money off of storing right. his car, which wouldn't be the <laughs> worst idea. Uh, chef's menu in Sackville shuts down. So there's something stay in Sackville, something's go. Like you and I. Uh, <laughs> um, Bagel, Montreal style, opens on Wise Road. Right. right over the bridge. Great, lovely, Random place bagels. for bagels. But sure. Yeah. Kenny's Pizza comes to the mainland. Opening oh, on Allison Cold was Robe. so excited about this. She called it the summer of the Ponzo. Yeah, I don't think that was true. I've I don't never know what seen a Ponzo. A Ponzo. It's, I it's think like it's a, like a calzone. It's a pizza turnover. Something. She's yelling at us right oh, now. Oh, 100%. Well, we'll get her some ponzos. We don't care about anyone yelling at us anymore. Yeah, yell all you listening. want. <laughs> the Downey's Beer Factory closes in Burnside. Remember Harold McKay's yes. pivot from concerts to beer? Didn't work out. Smiling Goat takes over just us. The locations, oh, yeah. anyways, in the city. Spring Garden Road and Kings mm, Wharf. More to come. Get converted. Well, not really, but... Oh, it ended that year? For more, Well, no, but the podcast ends this year, oh, so... Yeah. For more information on Smiling Goat, Google try it. Google. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else? Also opening King's Wharf, Lucky Cat Barber, Sidecar Goods, and The Watch That Ends the Night. Mm-hmm. A bar restaurant um, from a few people, but one of them being our former front desk enforcer person, Cody, and distribution manager. Yeah, great banjo player. Great banjo player. Great father. I don't think he, run- I don't think he owns it. He works no, but he's there, involved. But yeah. In some way. There was a profile of him this year. Yeah. In the Herald. Afrit opens on Lower Water Street. Okay. Or so. I already covered that. Pizza Girls comes to Graffinan Street. Pizza Corner back. Yeah. Three pizza locations. Can't no more frozen yogurt. <laughs> no more yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also opening on Argyle, the Pint Public House, replacing the Argyle. Weird. Yeah. Uh, Cyclone Fitness opens on Barrington Street. Chainyard Urban Cidery opens in the old Fred space mm-hmm. on Agricola. Chicken Chop opens around the corner on North Street. Mm-hmm. Compass Distilling opens up on Agricola, that weird shape sort the of tube. silo building. The tube with a, a single hotel room. It's got gin and it's got a hotel. Boutique hotels <laughs> are now big in the city. Fox Hill Market and Mexican Deli opens on Roby. Oh, yeah, it's a sweet place. Uh, Midnight Oil Print and Design House opens mm-hmm. on Gotta Gin. Where Big Pony was. Where Big Pony, who shuts down. Uh, nearby, down the road. Oh, sorry. <laughs> down the road, nearby Planet. That's the name. Oh, the VR place. The VR lounge yeah. opens up. Uh, Vandal Donuts takes over from the departing Aces in Gus's pub. Mm-hmm. So Gus has to have food. Is that the thing? No, they just have a kitchen there. Oh, yeah, it might be. It might I be think, part of their um, yeah. liquor license. Because now Vandal has exited this year. Yeah. yeah. Water and Bone sets up where Shea Tess was on Charles mm-hmm. Street. Agora closes on Agricola Street, replaced by the Haligonian Cafe, which also closes that same year, would eventually, I believe, earlier this year, become the Brown Hound. Yeah. The Brown Hound has finally made that cursed space a success. <laughs> I mean, we'll see, but they do seem to be it's doing okay It's full in there all the time. Yeah. Stephanie Johns in the paper shares her much-requested hodgepodge recipe. <laughs> Fun article, but also a great recipe. Yeah. Make it. Some people don't know what hodgepodge is. I'm not a fan. Neither am I, to be fair, but... But maybe it's just because we haven't made Steph's. That's true. (laughs) Say goodbye, Tara. Sad goodbye to the Good Food Emporium. Yeah. Shuts down after many years in the North End. 
Serving lunches. But Ronaldo's takes over. Yeah, that's a sweet ride. Pasta, pizza, sandwiches. Got a white pizza over there I really like. The Captain's Boil opens on Spring Garden Road. Just realizing now that's a pretty disgusting name. It's pretty bad. (laughs) I know what they think it means. Yeah. However... Another VR place, Reality Stop, mm-hmm. opens on Queen Street. Way to way to roll. Sushi Burritos opens on Brenton Street. Just before the Dartmouth Sportsplex closes for renovations, Camp Bow Wow takes over the pool. There's a fun... Oh, dog swimming? They let the dog swim. Uh, I went to this. It was incredible. Of course you did. You love your dog content. They had a small and medium dog swim for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And then... And that's what we were there for. Mm-hmm. We didn't know there were two swims. We were watching them. It was nice. Um, and then there, all the dogs were leaving. We we're like, oh, I guess that must be it. And we started to leave. And outside waiting were the big dogs for the big dog swim. Oh, and we're wow. talking like Mastiffs, St. Bernard's, Great Danes, like giant horse-sized dogs. <laughs> and so we went back in to see these lovely babies, just some of them completely scared of the water, mm. even though it looks like they could topple cars if they wanted to. <laughs> and just so much poop in the water. Oh, um, like yeah, dedicated pooper scoopers who were taking Ugh. it out. And these dogs who were so excited. I mean, my pants and shoes and socks we're ruined soaked. from like <laughs> wet dog smell all over them. Um, but a tremendous event. One way dogs are better than cats. Sure. There aren't that many. Okay. But let's one, not get in an there. One way is uh-huh. they're social. Now, not all of them, but mm. they're generally more social and they can get along. You can throw a bunch of them in a pool and it's going to go <laughs> fine. Yeah. You cannot throw, first of all, you can't throw a cat in a pool. It's not throw, gonna... throw six cats in a pool and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it would not be the same sort of event. You're going to get some hits on YouTube, but. <laughs> but at what cost? A <laughs> <sighs> couple more things. My mother's bloomers moves to Creighton Street. Oh, yeah. In our neighborhood. Yeah. It's just this little flower shop in the middle of houses. You mentioned, yeah. Yeah. But Goji's Froyo on Spring Garden Road also closes. The frozen yogurt wars at an end. They're dying. Lina Bright causes a shitstorm oh, after right. asking customers to close down their laptops in the evening. What a bunch of entitled pricks. <laughs> and after 24 years of perfection, the Gottagen Street treasure known as the cafe is closing, but better known informally to us at the coast as the Nonin the Cafe. cafe. 24 years? 24 years. I don't think I knew that. We called the guy who ran it, his name was George, and he was very nice. And we called him Uncle Jesse because Kate O'Connor thought he looked like um, John Stamos. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I went there a couple, you guys dragged me to it a couple times. Mm -hmm. I don't, we don't, I don't normally join you on lunch outings. No. But I went a couple times. Incredibly cheap prices. Yep. What was it? About this cafe that was so important to the coast. Because well, you wrote, you, Steph, and Allison yeah. joined, bylined a memorial to this <laughs> we place. Did. Well, the thing about the North End is as it's come up, it's come up with like hipster places and they're like hot restaurants and stuff. So it's very fucking expensive to get lunch. Like it's like, I think I spend $15 a day on lunch at least. And I'm not getting anything fancy. Um, but the no name had... This very hearty food. They had a special that changed every day. And there were add-ons. Like, you got a dinner roll. You you got two sides, like potatoes and rice and a salad and whatever your meat is. They make quiche every day. At Christmas, they, they did turkey. I They changed their coffee cups, and I had a really large... Uh, to-go mug and they still let me fill it for a dollar and they used Van Hoot and that's why I love Van Hoot coffee (laughs) 
You know how in Montreal there's like Van Hoot coffee houses and everyone makes Van fun Hout? of them? I don't know. Okay. But it, I think it's funny to say Van Hoot. Um, like I go to them in Montreal because I'm like, this is actually quality. It doesn't look good. It's like hotel coffee, but it's good. And they just, if you didn't have the money, he'd be like, or you didn't have One enough. One of the rare places that would yeah, offer he's credit. Like, I, like, yeah, it's like, I know you're going to be back here. I know you'll pick it up. Um, it was just, it didn't seem to be about making money, oddly. It really didn't. Or else it just wasn't about marking anything up. It wasn't cool. It it didn't change. Um, but it was awesome. Yeah. You can read that story and to hear more thoughts from other people. And to all the new restaurants out there. Dial it down. Try not to be cool. You don't need to be. Ugh. The cool, uncool spots are the best. That's what everyone feels like nostalgically. Kaiser, Kaiser's, yeah. Roby Food. I'm sorry. I'm no not going to drop any names, but there are a few things that could close right now and no <laughs> one's going to write. Three people are not going to write a story about it. I don't care if you are a hot en route magazine restaurant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Moving on. Let's talk about what's happening in the city. <laughs> Let's do it. The province announces a new hospital kind of thingy. What is that? Outpatients <laughs> clinic in Bears Lake. Not oh. a new hospital, but kind Is of a hospital. Is it by the DMV? <clears throat> yep. Just handily located? Um, despite Halifax planning staff coming out uh, saying they advised the province weeks before that that site would be inaccessible Bad. and per, yeah. uh, have many difficult challenges in setting up. Mm-hmm. Not even on a bus route. So, well, it's on one, but not. A very you'd have to one. walk yeah. around one of those easily walkable <laughs> blocks in Bears Lake. <laughs> Vincent Coleman finally gets his name on a ferry. Yeah. We went through so many naming contests, and finally it was just like, fine. Enough. Let's put them on one. Come on. Acknowledge Vince Coleman. They did. They did. <laughs> Good. You like I that? I like that, yeah. Halifax and Mike Savage announced we'll put together a bid to try and woo Amazon. Mike, no. For their second headquarters. So New York has that now, and people are very no, mad. No, well, aren't they splitting it? Queens. They're splitting their second Headquarters. You can only have one headquarters, to be fair. Uh, to be fair. And they're splitting their second one into two. Right. Regardless, it would not have worked. And yet. this whole thing There's was no just way. like a way to get deals from cities Ugh. and tax exemptions and yeah. all sorts of money. And of and course, we threw our hat right in. And not only did we join this desperate race, but we like pretended like we had a shot. Yeah. I remember someone being like, oh, Halifax, it's only two hours away from New York. So set up here. And it's like, why? No. <laughs> set PS, up in New York then. Yeah. And there's four direct flights a day, oh. by the way. The Globe and Mail stops its print edition in Atlanta, Canada. Oh, yeah. Though you can still buy a printed off copy somewhere in town. A I forget on, where. Do you print actually forget? Atlantic News, our only sponsor, does that? <laughs> no, I was doing a bit. Oh, a bit. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's the last day, guys, for... Halifax, Cyc- <laughs> the Halifax Cycling <laughs> Coalition celebrates 10 years of the big win. Uh, council approves the in- integrated mobility plan. That's the win, in case that wasn't clear. Uh, and designs for a connected bike lane grid across Halifax and Dartmouth by 2020. I can't wait for that because I almost get hit by a cyclist on the sidewalk multiple times a week. Yeah. I mean, I get why they sometimes go I up, do too. That's why I don't cycle. But get in the road. Uh, we mistakenly said this last year. Judge Linehan. And the comments of clearly a drunken consent. That was actually 2017. So lots of oh. assaults in 2016 amongst taxi cabs and drivers. But the and you shouldn't forget it any year, really. No, and big protests afterwards. And again, shout out to Haley Ryan mm-hmm. over at Metro, who was there in the courtroom and was the only reason we sort of know those comments that were in a verbal oral decision. Uh, Matt Whitman does some stuff. That's usual. So, <laughs> On the like lesser what? scale, yeah. 
He uh, didn't have anything to say about the integrated mobility plan, this big important document, but he did take some time in the same meeting to uh, try and defend his friend's Segway business because staff said Segways shouldn't be allowed on ferries. They're, you know, not really actually owned by anyone and they're just a tripping hazard. It's a Segway <laughs> tour company yeah. that has these and they use the ferry to go over to Dartmouth and zips up, zat around. <laughs> and so obviously if they're banned from the ferry, that impacts the business. And the owner of that company is like friends with Matt and, well, and lives in his district and may have gifted the family a Segway. Interesting. Yeah. That's the lowest end. <laughs> We're going to get to a couple other things okay. in a minute. The city, but some prologue, the city hires its first indigenous advisor, Wyatt White, on who's actually on secondment from the province during his first appearance before council. Uh, Richard Zarowski comments on the irony of White's last name. It's an odd moment. Mm. Were um, you there? Yeah. Mm. And I actually interviewed him later about it. He brought it up in a Q&A we were doing and just talking about- Zarowski? Like, no, Wyatt. White. Um, and talking about how it's something he sort of dealt with his whole life, the idea that like- there are only certain indigenous sounding names mm. and yeah so hopefully a learning lesson there but also in the spirit of reconciliation in 2017 council participates in a blanket ceremony at the mcmahon native friendship center as a symbolic way to visualize the history and horrors indigenous people have suffered in canada way mason says there were tears from the counselors who were there the ones who weren't there of course were steve stretch uh russell walker stephen adams richard zareski and matt whitman Unionized members of the Halifax ship... There's more to come on Whitman, don't worry. Okay. Unionized members of the Halifax shipyard vote overwhelmingly in favor of a strike mandate. Uh, Irving's, it should be noted, eighth richest family in Canada worth over $7 billion and use their tax havens to keep their money offshore, avoiding taxes, as we learned a little bit about in the Paradise Papers. I wish I was an Irving. No, there's probably an eligible young Irving well, debutante. We'll see. The Halifax Convention Center finally opens two years behind schedule. Yeah. Um, the Small opening, mercies, et cetera. The opening, unofficial, official opening with no events booked and not actually booking events until the next year. But a bunch of people came and media, they got to see a bunch of exposed wires, missing drywall, elevators, <laughs> and escalators that didn't work, all those things. But because it was officially complete, that unlocked the money the province and the city were paying to Ramia, uh, which probably allowed him to go pay off the bank and open up more financing so he could finish the damn thing. Have you ever moved into an apartment that wasn't finished? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, it never they, just, gets they just sort of pick away at it, but yeah. You're it's there. Never quite it doesn't done. matter now. Yeah. Uh, okay. What else? The province announces NSLC will be the only one selling weed for right. cannabis's oh, upcoming legalization. Are- because it could have been anyone. Could private businesses? Yeah. Could have been... This reminds me that one of my most hated places was Coastal Canopy on Agricola <laughs> Street. Yeah. I think most of that happened in 2018, though. Yeah. Yeah. Inspired by Rebecca Thomas's poem. Yes. Former guest. Which you heard last week. Council agrees to form a panel to re-examine how Halifax honors Edward Cornwallis. Mm. Cornwallis. 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 <laughs> Before the panel can even be assembled, though, the Proud Boys show up. Oh, I forgot about that. That alt-right group of weirdos who don't masturbate interrupted a planned demonstration on Canada Day at Cornwallis Park, debating, in quotation marks, indigenous activists, uh, prompting a much, much larger demonstration weeks later where members of the public in advance said they're going to tear down that statue themselves. Hmm. And that didn't happen, but it was tense for a few days. Because <laughs> I always wondered why someone didn't just take a truck yeah. and go out there with like a winch. But uh, the city kind of compromised with the organizers. They ended up putting a tarp on the statue for a couple hours and said, we're going to 
have this panel and that'll give us an answer. So that's happening. Now, remember last year, Matt Whitman was ordered to apologize for his tweets. Yep. He also downplayed Cornwallis as being, quote, not perfect. Well, we gave we talked about some other Whitman stuff. So also in 2017, to start off the year, Matt, who's running in the provincial election for the progressive conservatives, posts a video online of himself and I think his son participating in a Chinese fire drill, mm. his words, where they got out and ran around a car in traffic. Um... He would later kind of apologize, I'm sure, at the behest of the party uh, to anyone who found it offensive. Then in the same year, after not getting elected in the provincial election, Sean Cleary and Matt Whitman get in a fight on Twitter about marijuana, the term. Oh, right. Because Sean feels racist term shouldn't be used, offensive to Latino, Latinx populations. Whitman doesn't like that. He gets in a Twitter argument with Sean that lasts like a good couple days going back and forth. Matt arguing it's impossible to be racist to Mexicans. It's a nationality, not a race. Hmm. That was his point. He then appears on CTV News about it and says during the interview that you can only be racist towards, quote, Caucasians, Negroes, or some other race. What? This, <laughs> this prompts Lindell Smith, only a year on the job and already way too old for this shit, to go on Twitter and scold Matt for using the term Negroes, an outdated pejorative. Please don't do that, he said. <laughs> Whitman subsequently apologizes at City Hall during a meeting, though again sort of half-assed. Sorry if I offended anyone. Sorry if you were offended by me. Yeah. This all happens weeks after we, the Coast, and CBC get internal emails about that Cornwallis statue debacle. Uh, which contained remarks by Councillor David Hensby, who joked that the protesters were, quote, hotheads on the warpath and said council should smoke a, quote, peace pipe. Mm. Rebecca Thomas would call Hensby's remarks awe-inspiring in their ignorance. <laughs> Facing dozens of public complaints about all of this, council eventually votes to go to cultural sensitivity training, though they declined to institute a new, a new code of conduct mm. for council behavior. Huh. Yeah. And All from this one guy. <laughs> Off a couple of guys. <laughs> uh, what else? Leanne Tessier receives an apology for the gender discrimination she faced as an HRM firefighter 20 years prior, mm -hmm. part of a settlement of her human rights case. The city launches a low-income bus pass program, pilot program. But it's underused, is that true? I think it was, no, they signed up right away, and then now they bumped the limit, and now I think it's sort of... Not at the limit, but they're still keeping right. it there in case people need to be. Cool. Young campus conservatives take issue with a totally symbolic motion from Dell Student Union Vice President Masuma Khan to not participate in Canada 150 because of the country's sort of horrible colonial history. Mm. Khan mocks the criticism later on Facebook with a hashtag, white fragility can <laughs> kiss my ass. That prompts further complaints and also national columnists mm. wringing their hands about the youths and anti-white <laughs> racism. Uh, she's charged with violating the code of student conduct. The university's quasi-legal court system investigates. It was really embarrassing how much, how seriously they took like an obvious sort of Facebook remark made offhand. And none of these free speech warriors were coming to Masuma's defense. Mm. I wonder why. Mm -hmm. Lauren Grabber. Ugh, I hate this story. We should talk to Steve about this. <laughs> He wants his license plate, and the province won't let him have it. 
He cried on TV. He cried on TV. Nothing wrong with a man crying, Tara. <laughs> Over his license plate. Over his personalized license plate. William Sanderson. Less found, funny. Found guilty of first degree murder mm-hmm. after a nine week trial, mm. which you were pretty riveted to, the live tweets. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Younger resigns from public life quite suddenly, actually, after all Nova Scotia reports he was hospitalized and had an emergency protection order put on him by his wife. Mm. Um, I ended up speaking with Andrew afterwards and and his wife, and they were very private about you know personal medical issues, but were not at all impressed that all Nova Scotia ran with this story and just said after everything had been through the last couple of years, that's enough. Time to get out of the well, public eye. Whose fault is it though? Just asking. Halifax's CA just asking questions. <laughs> Halifax's CAO Jacques Dubay apologizes after sending a bizarre rewrite of a Beaverton article to City Hall staff, making it seem like the city's chief financial officer, Amanda Whitewood, wanted to kill him. This was weird. <laughs> Dubay had like taken a quiet two week leave in March and no one was saying why. Mm-hmm. And so I just started asking around and trying to find out stuff. And I think all of us go shed at first, and then I had a bit too. I was able to confirm just about that he that a harassment complaint was filed against him, and that's why he was on this sort of self imposed leave while council discusses what to do about it. And then more and more of the story came out, and it was it's just, very bizarre. It was I feel like there was a lot more that didn't get mentioned, mm. but anyway, Jimmy Melvin Jr. found not guilty of murder, but guilty of trying and plotting to kill the same person just a few months earlier. Who died? So it's like he wanted to kill him. <laughs> but he couldn't make it happen. And then when they showed up, there was police all around the house. So he's like, damn. And then a few months later, that guy got killed. But Jimmy didn't do it. And he was put on trial Allegedly. for both times. Right. Found not guilty of the murder, but found guilty of really wanting that guy dead. Trying wow. to figure out a way to do it. Hmm. There you go. The former Red Cross property on Gottage and Street is council agrees to sell it to become the new home of the Mi'kmaq Native Friendship mm-hmm. Center which happens on National Aboriginal Day in a surprise motion after an in-camera report. It was actually really cool. Uh, Myself and a few other reporters were there. We didn't know this was happening. Pam Glode from the Friendship Center was there. I don't think she knew it was happening. Oh. There was lots of tears and hugging. It was a very nice moment. Uh, I mentioned there's a provincial election. Nothing too exciting. Stephen McNeil's liberals hold on to a majority government. That's close. Gary Burrell, NDP leader, picks up a seat, so he's finally at Province House. And the Tories, even though they, I think they gained a few seats, but they don't form a government, and that's enough. A few months later, Jimmy Bailey says he is stepping down as leader. Right. The week after the election, bigger news, Maggie Rar, writing for The Coast, publishes uh, quite a powerful story about mm-hmm. Michelle Coffin, mm-hmm. former liberal insider who the party turned their back on and basically sided with her boyfriend who had assaulted her, um, Kylie Harris, who's Stephen McNeil's spokesperson, Kylie Harris. It kind of that happened a few years prior, but Harris was back on after team, right? originally being fired from that mm-hmm. job. Suddenly, he was back on the campaign team. His name, like on media releases, as a press contact. That's something I've noticed in the in the reckoning of men is like they get they go away, they lose their job, but then often the same places will quietly bring them back. Yeah, just going to show you what the first gesture actually meant. And the idea. Not the idea, but the sort of defense, I think, from some of the liberals were like, well, is he not supposed to work forever? Yep. But like no one was saying that. It's just he doesn't need to be. Why is he still with the liberal party? Yeah. And Michelle, who's equally 
you know, a vital person and a yeah. knowledgeable insider and works like literally people like refusing to talk to her. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was a really excellent story it that was. Maggie did a ton of work on. Um, go read it, everyone. Yeah. Bob Berkey, the city's planning chief, fired by the CAO after three years on the job with little explanation. Came as a surprise to council. I believe it happened over a holiday weekend mm. when nobody was around. And the sea bridge starts afloating. <laughs> yeah, I've never been on that. It's it can get choppy. Mm. Uh, what else? The new waterfront, an SCC campus renamed after Ray Ivany. Right. Uh, Ray Ivany famously wrote a book or something. <laughs> it's not in my notes. Uh, what else? What else? What else? I can't tell which are jokes anymore. <laughs> it's all jokes now. <laughs> Someone steals Lindell Smith's bike. Oh, right. He gets it back, though, I Yeah, believe. he did. So good he for did. him. Uh, the Herald strike ends with a whimper. It was on for a long time. It did, for over a year. Newsroom mm -hmm. goes back to work, but a fraction of what it was. Michael Gorman, Francis Willick, Sherry Borden-Colley, Brett Bundale, other star reporters all gone, either to CBC or Canada Press, Canadian Press, or elsewhere. Uh, Local Express, meanwhile, that's that microsite they started for mm. their work during the strike, uh, shut down by the Herald, but it had, Local Express was in partnership with Village Media, who runs these sort of community news sites in Ontario, and I guess they realized there was a market in Halifax for their ad sales, so they partner up with News 95.7 and create Halifax Today, Oh, which you can still go read news on hmm. today. <laughs> the same year, though a few months earlier, before the strike ended, the Chronicle Herald rebrands as Saltwire, mm -hmm. Saltwire Network, and buys out transcontinental papers across the Atlantic provinces. I told you they were comically evil. <laughs> Remember yeah. when I said that? I, I remember. I'm going to repeat it and make sure that everyone knows I said it. Saltwire does sound like a weird Bond Ugh, villain shell honestly. company. Decades after Morgenthaler, Nova Scotia remains the only province in Canada where women need a doctor's referral before booking an abortion. Terrific. So Brett Bundale, previously mentioned, uh, reports in the Canadian press just how dire abortion access is in the province, which directly leads to the government canceling that doctor referral policy and promising free access in pharmacies to the abortion pill. Way to go, Brett. Uh, Energy East, dead. Right. The $16 billion pipeline, pipeline project yeah. killed by TransCanada due to, quote, changing circumstances. <laughs> uh, code for... That would not have gone well. Regulators were giving them more and more yeah. imposed restrictions on, you know, not leaking oil all over the place. Someone runs over and kills two of the Sullivan's Pond geese. Jesus Christ. Dartmouth this geese story, lid. oh my goodness. The... <laughs> Like the Lauren Grabber of <laughs> fucking animal stories. Yeah. Ugh. It was in. We should ask Steve about this too. It was in the news. For Foul play. Ever. Foul play. CBC gets its hand on, hands, hand hands on a decade's worth of street check data from Halifax Police that show black residents of HRM are three times more likely to be quote checked by police than white individuals. Mm -hmm. Data that had been collected since the Kirk Johnson decision way back in 2003, wow. but which the police department had never bothered to examine until CBC asked for it. So that's great. <laughs> the Board of Commissioners uh, eventually brings in the Human Rights Commission who hires an Ontario researcher to hold a series of meetings and find out how black people feel about being targeted by racist police policies, which turns out not great. So it's good we got that collected. More data. Uh, also, the police say body cameras, not a cost-effective way to improve police practices. No. Would cost $7.5 And weirdly, there was some outrage, but like I agreed with them on this. Like The potential abuse, not to mention the storage of that data, 
it would have to be outsourced to some like company in Texas who mm. then has every police arrest of an individual here on tape that they could who knows what happens to that and police accountability accountability is great but I don't know if that was going to be a solution mm. to it uh, oh also <laughs> the police department accidentally releases all their social media passwords to me which was a fun <laughs> thing to have happen I asked for their social media policy handbook they gave me a copy uh, PDF which had all of the passwords in it and I only found out while reading through it and man did it take a lot to not go through and post some tweets or even I had access to like the back end of the city's press release site. Oh man. I could have issued a Jacob is great You're the press real, release. Breach, real breach teen is Seriously. Uh, what else? There's a big cell phone outage. Remember that? Nope. Okay. Dalhousie hosts its homecoming <laughs> featuring 1,500 students taking oh. part in an unsanctioned off-campus South End riot, basically. Did not go well. Yeah, it was a riot, wasn't it? Videos and photos of the event helpfully shared by those same students all over the internet. Ah, the youth. <laughs> Weren't thinking. Daryl Dexter, former premier, now a lobbyist for pot. As it goes. Sidney Crosby and the Penguins win the Stanley Cup, get invited to the White House. Crosby calls the invitation by President Trump Trump. A great honor. Yeah, people were so disappointed by that, and I was surprised. It's like, he's a hockey robot. <laughs> he has no thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christopher Garnier trial for the murder of Catherine Campbell, mm. um, which the defendant uses BDSM as an excuse. It was incredibly offensive, his yep. defense. I feel people should get more time when their defense is incredibly offensive, mm -hmm. as his was. We'll leave that alone. Raja Salim, uh, who was a journalist in Syria, came to Canada, Halifax, with her sister as refugees. She starts writing an occasional oh, column yeah, for the coast, that was great. which was really great working with her. English writing, especially, was not like her forte, so mm -hmm. we would collaborate back and forth, um, and we ended up publishing some of her pieces in Arabic as well, so like her community and her friends could read them. Uh, though she left that same year later for Montreal. <laughs> it happens to all it's a fine. lot of us. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wade Smith, principal of Citadel High, mm. passes away, mourned by it felt like the whole city for his passion for education yeah. and helping generations of school children. Uh, Paradise Papers covered that. Other names mentioned in there include MLA and PC leadership candidate Tim Houston, who lived in Bermuda for 12 years, helping, quote, a variety of companies reach their full potential. That sounds above the line. <laughs> Houston downplayed the findings, says he paid all his he pays all his taxes. Don't mm, worry about it. From Bermuda. The city's replacement of streetlights with energy efficient LEDs is eight million dollars over budget. People were mad about that because it changed they're the, very bright. the look of everything. And they're blue. Yeah, yeah. The city looks different now. Anyways, it's eight million operational delays the city blamed on NS Power not keeping good records of its streetlights, which I believe with the amount oh, of power outages. For for sure. Uh, council declines to provide $50,000 in money for ambassadors of road train. That thing that chugs along. Oh, the road train. Yeah, you remember now. Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, I wrote about the Elmwood building, that three-story yellow apartment building. People love that story. At the, it was one of my favorite things to write. Yeah. Um, you didn't, I, if I recall correctly, you're like this. You didn't think it was worth a cover or, or you, or you waited really long to write it. And then it turned out to be this amazing thing. Not unlike your Groundhog Day opus that <laughs> went online only. I am like that, yes. You I, are. I doubt, but I do enjoy that story quite a bit. <laughs> Still up there. Everyone can go read all the memories of counselors and movie stars and everyone who lived in that building. Uh, some scene news to wrap things up. Jeremy Webb, now the artistic director at Neptune Theater. 
It's the 100th anniversary of the Halifax explosion. I know what you may be thinking, Tara, how is that arts news? Well, it is because, of course, the Halifax explosion has been documented in 32 nonfiction books, 12 novels, <laughs> at least one play, one film, a heritage moment, dozens of articles, and at least one poem, Halifax in Ruins by S.B. Fullerton in 1918. Wow. Yeah. Five local arts organizations, Nocturne, CFAT, The Kyber, Eye Level Gallery, and South House. South House Art? No. That's how we described it. Anyways, release a seven-point call to action and an open letter about sexual assault allegations against a staff member at the Atlantic Filmmakers mm -hmm. Cooperative. AFCOOP's board says it's investigating the claims, which come from a woman who said she was assaulted by a staff member several years ago while working on a film set. Anything come out of that? Uh, it didn't go well. I think they okay. they said we did our own investigation and we thought it was fine. Uh, but I believe that person no longer works with AFCOOP. Okay. Cheryl Blossom from Riverdale. Oh, Madeline yeah, you were Patch very excited about visits this. Halifax for Polaroid. Some horror Never movie. came out. You know who else was here? Mm. Was Mitch Pileggi, from, who is from, from X -Files. the X-Files. Yeah. Well, now, Polaroid, I believe, because I went and looked this up once, um, that was one of the last films scheduled oh, to come out Weinstein. from the Weinstein right, Company. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, I think it got, there it'll probably be on Netflix yeah, in a couple years. There was but, a poster at Park Lane, and we were all like, yeah, we should go see this bad movie. They just that shelved we're gonna, it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lido Pimienta. Mm. Am I saying that right? Let me do it again yeah. if I'm not. No, you did. Lido Pimienta plays the pop explosion. <laughs> she did. <laughs> Calls for great. all brown girls to the front of the room. Mm -hmm. A white volunteer photographer loudly and aggressively refuses to leave. Makes national news from right-wing trolls and assholes who uh, were upset about the prioritization of women of color. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a big to-do. Uh yeah, I was there, but I left before that happened, um, so I shan't comment. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Comment on this then, Tara. Quote, cover shows are fun, but a double-edged sword for the people who perform in them. That's oh, I you. wrote that. Tell me about Taylor Swift Night. Oh, Taylor Swift Night. Um, Taylor Swift Night's really fun. Uh, I'm occasionally in a Taylor Swift cover band, but what happens is everyone in the band is also in their own bands. People are like, do you play like around town? And you're like, yeah, I'm in a band called Dance Movie. They're like, cool. You never see them again. <laughs> they do not give a shit who's playing in the band. It's not about your mus musicianship. So just, you, and it's just sad. And yeah. You're like, I, I can never fill a room with my own band the way I could with a Taylor Swift cover band. People love the Taylor Swift nights. They do. Yeah. Okay. Joel Plaskett and some other people have a concert on George's Island, uh, which is <laughs> fantastic until everyone's right? trapped there yeah. for hours afterwards because there's like one barge. Because it's an island, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of How fun. How did you think Not you being were on leave? the island, it was fun to yeah. see all those tweets. <laughs> uh, Scratch Bastard launches a line of barbecue sauces. He does. He's a sweet boy from Bedford. <laughs> The Annie Leibovitz photography show at the oh. Art Gallery still on pause, rejected for the fourth time by a federal review board as being cultural property, making it not possible as a tax write-off for the Toronto family donated <laughs> and Where for Leibovitz. Where are those photos? Still, I believe, sitting in storage in, in the Art Gallery somewhere. Here, though. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, Black Cop from Corey Bowles. Yes. Premieres at TIFF. Nocturne mm -hmm. turns 10. After 37 years, the Atlantic Film Festival half rebrands as Finn, <sighs> not an acronym. That was a confusing time for everyone. You called it a wholly unpopular move that confuses everyone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ah, By the sense. same people who gave us our Halifax logo. Yeah. Same. Finn. Agency. Yeah. It and was Finn Jobs. I just don't know why you would do it. I really, I don't know why you would do it. I don't know why it wouldn't be an acronym when all of these 
always are. Like yeah. TIFF. And- See, my whole thing is like, if you wanted it to look like TIFF and be AFE, Atlantic International Film sure. Festival, which is what they also did, that would have been fine. Add international to it. Sure. But Finn colon AFE. International. Oh boy, it's Nova. a lot. Uh, John Dunsworth passes away yeah. at age 53. Early believer in the NS film industry. Mm-hmm. Filmworks casting agency, that was him. And of course, Mr. Leahy, but like really so many nice other countless too. roles. Like you would see yeah. him around and whether he knew you or not, he was very nice. I feel like he was probably in every short film that 100%. I ever asked him, yeah. he would make time film for. Film 5 said F. Coop, definitely. Maudie, the yes. movie. Directed Big- by an Irish person, written by a Newfoundlander, shot there too. Yeah, I love when you quote <laughs> me. <laughs> Starring nobody from Starring here. Starring the British Sally Hawkins and the American Ethan Hawke, who's not from here, but he owns an island here. He comes to visit often. You weren't a fan of Maudie. I was not a fan of Maudie. I thought it was very middling. I thought Ever- I think Everett is a bad person, and I did not want to root for him or their relationship. However, the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia would like me to shut the fuck up because, <laughs> man, did people want to see that house. Oh, man, they're selling a lot of Maudie merch. It was a good year to be in the Maud Lewis business. Here's something else you don't like. Come From Away, the musical. <laughs> I have never seen it or heard it. I just think it's probably awful. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, it's think... like, it's about Newfoundland, but we had more people here. Oh, that's your, that's your yeah, angle. Yeah, it should be about I us. just think it's probably folksy and bad. <laughs> Maybe we'll go see it. <laughs> yes. When it comes to Neptune in three years, we'll go see it. Okay. Here's me quoting you again. Oh, God. <clears throat> Stores and restaurants close all the time, sometimes because of condos and sometimes because of failure, and it's awful, but that's your life. For a corporation to just sell off a piece of Halifax history, one that means so much to so many, that offers daily experiential art to citizens who will cheerfully, actively work for it. For a corporation to do something so fucking corporate is not surprising, but that doesn't make it any less devastating. Yeah, they sold the Oxford building. Yeah. To what? A developer. To a developer. Yeah. And, you know, there was that sort of, I made a joke in the office the other day about the guy who who tried for a year to get the Red Hot Chili Peppers to come here. And they, there was something similar where a group of people were like, let's petition this developer. And he says he'll put a rep cinema in there. And I'm just like, you poor souls. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. It's over. Goodbye to the Oxford. Yeah. So it, it was like the final nail. Like, it had already closed. It had shut down operations, but... The actual selling of the building, you're like, okay, the end. Still sits empty at the moment. And then it said, we love pizza at one point. (laughs) Well, we do. (laughs) On the marquee. After a decade at CTV, Cindy Day offers up her last forecast. I interviewed Cindy for that. It was a really nice little chat. Yeah. I think, do you remember there was all the speculation about where she was going to go? And CBC was looking for... Yes, there was. And we assumed it was that. And then, uh, nope. Just retired. No, she went to Saltwire. Oh, right. I know. Sorry. Uh, Mo Kenny releases her third album. Yeah. The details. Gabrielle Papillon re- releases Keep the Fire. Jesse Brown's first full length album, Keeping Appearances. This is all within a couple weeks of each other. Yeah. It was a really fun thing that I got to do because I had just, I was sort of fresh back in the arts editor chair and all of each of them released their records on weeks where I did not have the space to give them anything substantial. So I sort of thought, you know what? I'm going to keep them all for the end and we'll give them a cover together at the yeah, end of the year. It's great. They shot it at, uh, Megan Tansy Witten shot it at Nova Scotia Music Week. Like, she's like, we have from four to five. We need some place with natural light. I don't know where they, they did it, like at a library or something. It's a great cover. Yeah, it was. Uh, in celebration of the Dartmouth Comic Arts Festival, the Coast publishes an entirely illustrated issue, which is something our owners had wanted to do for like years and years and years. 
and we finally did it. It took a tremendous amount of it really preparation and planning weeks Everything in advance. Everything had to be in way in advance, yeah. Huge shout out to Paige, our production manager, yeah. who coordinated all of that, but it definitely looks cool. Uh, Gypsophilia plays Halifax one last time, mm. one final hometown performance. Yeah. The Melotones turn 20. Yes. Funk R&B unit uh, recreates its early days with the Christmas show at the Marquee. And what else? Uh, author Sachi Cool comes to town as organized by the coast. It was, was fun. Specifically Rebecca Dingwall, our new staff writer at the time. Yeah. Uh, she was reading from her new book, One Day We'll All Be Dead and None of This Will Matter. I don't know if she read. She didn't. She I answered she, questions. She it was like a couple Q&A. little things. Yeah. yeah. She was very funny. Uh, so long to the company house. Yep. The bar uh, actually had come under fire earlier in the year after transphobic mm. comments during a comedy, in quotation marks, podcast recording <laughs> uh, led to online backlash and the owners say personal attacks against them. And then six, seven months later, it's it's done. Goodbye, company house. Yep. Any thoughts? Move on. I mean, I was over it by then. Yeah. I got, I played there uh, under the new ownership and I got uh, shocked in my mouth by a microphone. <laughs> okay. And I was like, that's it. Fair enough. That is it. Tara, you thought concerts were canceled on the commons. Oh. Common. But not this year, because it's Canada 150 and Dead Mouse is here. Oh, jeez. With his big giant helmet and elaborate light show. It was, and it was free. Do you remember you and I ran to the I, movies? And I we just did a, remember that We now. did a I double did. feature on <laughs> what Canada. What did we see? Day. We saw Baby Sophia Driver. Sofia Coppola. We saw Baby Driver and then, uh, yeah, the Sofia Coppola, which was... The one with Colin Farrell and all the women. Yeah, Colin Farrell and was all the billed women. first for some reason. I didn't like it. No, we we did not. We didn't was, like Baby Driver that much no. either. But Baby Driver won out, or, and then we walked home at through the crowd. It was like it was, a Walking Dead zombie apocalypse. Like we I've it never very been badly. more scared walking the streets yeah. of Halifax. <laughs> Just people fighting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I was with you. If I had had to go oh my through myself, God. it would have been upsetting. But yeah, I remember I tried to get you to see Wonder Woman and you didn't want to. And this Coppola was 90 minutes yeah. and it felt like as long as Wonder Woman oh, yeah. is. It was not a good. Lights through trees. <laughs> uh, Tara, why does it always rain when Bill Lynch comes to town? Oh, the, uh, well, a couple theories. Uh, that it it's cursed. There's a bit of a racist theory uh-huh. that um, uh, Bill Lynch had a relationship with an indigenous woman who he uh, fucked over, so she cursed <laughs> cursed his business forever. Feels like that's not an actual it's true story. Not true. Um, that's the only uh, theory I've ever heard, so I made up some. Right, and wrote about it. Yeah, for as like a like a magic realist nonfiction fiction piece and we published that and then you and i by coincidence ran into each other at a john mulaney show when he was at the rebecca oh, cohen yeah. and then he was like what is with this haunted car yeah because it was very foggy yeah. <laughs> yeah and they had would have had to drive over the bridge from the airport and he's like thanks yeah. for coming here instead of going to your haunted carnival <laughs> uh last thing because it's the holidays all end on film fans noted film fans you and i <laughs> we came up with some rejected cineplex holiday trailers before you go any further, I just want to say, yeah. the year we did this, they did not air a commercial. Yeah. I think the commercial's back this year. Time oh, will tell. Interesting. But I, I've heard rumblings that there's a, a holiday commercial. We had to sit through Lily and the Snowman and yeah. a balloon for Ben many times. Yeah. And so we came up, these are all ostensibly about things like friendship or family, mm-hmm. but if you actually look at it, they're kind of horrifying yeah. little stories um, with like treacly covers of pop tunes. So 
we made a few ones. We brainstormed these. In 10 minutes. Yeah. It's the fastest thing I've ever written. So my favorite was the two horses who each year bring families <laughs> to an outdoor community film screening until one year one of them slips on ice and breaks its legs. And we don't show it being put down, but it's assumed. And the next year, the horse is by itself and Sugar Bell, and you know, she, she can't bring the families. It's just one horse. So all the townspeople band together and they pull, pull Sugar Bell to the movies as slow ride by Fog Hat in the style of Feist crescendos. <laughs> I think that commercial is amazing. <laughs> I think I think someone should make it. Jacob. Uh, that was 2017, and that was 25 years. Holy shit. Oh. I want to commend you because you're you're annoying and you'll like never take any credit. <laughs> but I really want to commend you for your exhaustive research. Like it actually exhausted you, first of all. Mm-hmm. And it was exhaustive. Um, I refuse to do any. I've said that a few <laughs> times, but I said I'm not gonna do it i'll come in and be the andy richter i'll book the interviews no, you no, want no, no, me no. to but you this is like a 70 30 split at not at best. all this at doesn't best. exist without you and it's uh, your input and i'm your... just here because i'm old no institutional memory readers listeners <laughs> what do you think vote for your favorite online at the coast i'll run a twitter poll if we're I not done it. yet though i know coming up so, i know we're gonna take a break and well, then we'll, we'll be say here goodbye with at the Steve end Murphy. End? Yeah, we'll say goodbye at the end. Okay, well, I'm pre-saying goodbye now because <laughs> I might get upset later. Stay with us. Okay. In studio now, you've heard his name a few times on this show, maybe <laughs> 25 times, 24 times? Somewhere around there. Yeah, it's in the 20s. Uh, local legend, doesn't need an intro. What does that pay, by the way? <laughs> 25 mentions on, on this podcast. I should talk what, to your local SoCan rep. I thought you were going to say talk to my lawyer. <laughs> I think we have a sticker maybe we can get you. Does it pay roughly the same thing as Murphy's Law pays? Oh. <laughs> I've been trying for years to figure out a way to get paid for that. You know, only Irish guys have families who invent laws the whole world uses right. that we don't get paid for. <laughs> it doesn't seem just to me. Anyway. Steve Murphy, welcome. Thank you, Tara. How are you? I'm good. We're very excited you're here. We're sort of like, you know, we're across the street from where you work. And we were like looking out the window, like looking for Santa, waiting for you to come over. Thanks. <laughs> we were very excited. Um, where are the cookies and milk? <laughs> yeah. The coffee's good, though, Jacob, i got to say. Well, thanks. I'll. That's Tell the village sound. But yeah, yeah, the Tassimo <laughs> people, I think. But <laughs> so I, I don't even know where to begin. But one thing that is of note is that your career goes back decades. Um, but as evening news anchor for CTV, ATV, mm-hmm. this is your 25th year. This was the 25th year. We're coming to the end of it. Uh, it will be, I guess, beginning year 26 in. March or April, depending on which date you choose to use. But yeah, it's been 25 years doing the news at 6 o'clock. So like, I did not know that. Like yeah. us. Look at him surprising me. And our 25 years of the coast yep. and this podcast, I'm sure you've done some reflection this year on that 25 years, everything that's happened. Well, I have. I mean, there's a lot to reflect on. By the way, I've been reading the coast for 25 years, and I think the coast is an amazing publication. Thank you. Uh, and amazing even more so today when so many publications are challenged. But it's been very, very well done. And it's been very consistently evolving to remain relevant. 
So good on good on the Thanks. coast. We definitely try. <laughs> yeah, we try. No, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you're back working there. I am. Tara, I've never know. really left. No, you're spinning this really around on us. Yeah. We're supposed to be interviewing you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. That's what, listen. I ask questions for a living as well. <laughs> but no, sure. I, I I reflect a little bit, but I try never to live in the past. I don't think you guys are living in the past either. Recalling the past isn't trying to you know prosecute past glories in mm-hmm. any sense. But sure, it's a good time to reflect. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, it's to me always astonishing to realize truly how quickly time flies. Yeah. And 25 years has passed pretty damn quick. Yeah. Uh, um, we've been covering these last few years on the podcast and it feels like that sh- thing events should have happened either a long time ago or mm. much sooner. It's yeah. <laughs> temporarily, it's, it all goes out of whack after a little mm-hmm. while. Well, we're standing here on a day when we've had power failures yes. across the Halifax municipality more since Hurricane Juan which is, what, 15 years ago? Which doesn't seem right to me. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I want to bring up Tara Thorne's excellent, amazing 2006 story about yourself, Steve Murphy, the wow of I certainly Steve. thought it was excellent. And uh, we did an Andy Warhouse-style uh, cover. Yeah, I still have, I have that. I, I have a giant one in my house. I, I still have it. Yeah. In that story, you mentioned that when you first started in 1982 with Live at Five, mm-hmm. You said you were kind of an arrogant as a reporter. Yeah. What do you, what did you mean? Well, I think um, one of the things as you get older and more mature or at least more beat up, uh, I think you realize or recognize in yourself the arrogance of youth. And some of the arrogance of youth is good because that is the arrogance that makes you a little bit impetuous, maybe leads you to be a little more bold. But it also, in my case, I think led me to be a little cavalier in dealing with people. And when I look back on it now, I see I see some of those qualities in other younger folks and other people, and I recognize them from my younger self. And I just think I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm over that, and I'm genuinely sorry for being that way. <laughs> right. Because it wasn't very nice. Now, I'm not sure I could have changed it in the then, mm. but I certainly can own up to it now and say that. Uh, Having had 25, or in my case now, 35 years to reflect on it, um, I'm I'm sorry that I was that way. But then again, we all grow up and we all change. And um, I'm sure I'm just as offensive in other ways now. <laughs> but but, no, but the truth, when I, when I speak of the arrogance of youth, I don't want to give the wrong idea, Jacob. I don't want to make it seem to, to our listeners that youth is in itself arrogance. Right. It is just, it's just one of the qualities that when you're inexperienced, and making mistakes for the first time, you can be pretty arrogant about them. Well, and I was. I was. And you're also fearless because you haven't been knocked around yet. Correct. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. I think most of the valuable lessons in life are learned by the mistakes. When we sail through life doing things without much difficulty, much challenge, there's not a lot of learning goes on there. But we do, we do learn from the errors in judgment and the mistakes we make. What was the biggest mistake you can remember making that you learned from or learned something important from? Well, I think just generally I was perhaps not listening enough. Uh, I interviewed uh, Brian Gallant after he knew that he was not going to be premier anymore, and I asked the question, what would you tell your younger self? Which, by the way, in his case, he's still a very youthful guy, 36. He was 32 when he became premier. And he said, "If, if I had to tell my younger self something, I would tell my younger self to listen to others more. Mm. And I would listen to others more. I would listen more intently. And I probably would do more of what was suggested without necessarily being cajoled into it, (laughs) which is to say sometimes you have to be really told what to do. 
So I think listening would probably be it. The irony, Jacob and Tara, is that I was doing a radio show at the time, a phone-in show, and I did listen to my listeners a lot. But I'm not sure that I listened to my colleagues enough. Hmm. You know, in that same feature that Tara wrote in 2006, which is online, everyone can go read it, it's great. Um, I found it interesting because you mentioned that this is 2006 when the story comes out Mm -hmm. and you're talking about your career up to that point and you talk about how the same stories that were being talked about in 2006 were being talked about in the 80s. You know, Morgenthaler, abortion rights, Mm -hmm. Sunday shopping, uh, government corruption. uh, The quote, I think, was recurrent themes in the history of civil society, you called them. And I I would stand by that today. Mm -hmm. I think the intervening 12 years have proven that there was some truth in that. That's what we've realized, I think, doing this show. yeah, Yeah, we've seen with this podcast, like these things keep, Coming up, it, it makes history seem a lot less unpredictable than I maybe would have thought. That's interesting, though. Old adages don't get to be old by being wrong, and those who right. do not learn lessons from history are not only fated to repeat them, I guess uh, we're destined to, re- to repeat them. Uh, and even when we do learn, we keep making some of the same mistakes, some of the same debates. I remember when I was doing talk radio on CJCH, there were always great debates about whether to build tall buildings and the shadows they would cast. Mm. And these are all issues which are very current here in Halifax today as they were 35 years ago. I dare say we come back in 35 years. They'll they'll still be current and relevant. Um, so in that sense, um, we're on a bit of a merry-go-round, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> it makes me concerned about progress. Mm. We've seen some over the years. Yeah, definitely. Maybe. It's hard to presume that we won't backslide. True. You can never tell. There's a lot of perspective, though, in, involved in determining what is progress yeah. versus what is backsliding, too. Not all progress, maybe, is is necessarily good. Yeah, for sure. Maybe it isn't really progress. Not all change is progress. We're getting into deep stuff now. We're getting deep. I was going to ask about your suits. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, Jacob was talking to you about your suits because you have a very nice one on today, and we look like our regular schmoey selves. Um, yeah. But I want to know, do you wear the pants, too, or do you wear jeans like uh, they do on Weekend Update? I know you have the pants on now, but <laughs> but like behind the desk at night? No, well, don't it... forget, I do an interview uh, oh, every right, day, and many days I'm yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. there in my whole self. So, no, I generally <laughs> wear something coordinated. It may not be a suit, but, you know, a jacket with pants that hopefully match. Um, and shoes, too. Right. I mean, I've got winter boots on here now, right. but uh, you have to wear a something nice that looks like an indoor shoe if your <laughs> shoes are going to be on TV. So I've got shoes over in the office. You'll just have to take my word for it. Is it something you think too much about, wardrobe? Not not, not really. I, I you know, I'm, I wear basically the same thing every day. I mean, right. it's a suit and tie and a shirt, and hopefully they all match, as I say. <laughs> and uh, and I have, a, I have a wardrobe closet in the office, so, oh. you know, when I need the shoes or if I need a different tie or what have you. It's it's all there. So the act of thinking only involves getting up in the morning and, you know, taking this one off the hanger and putting it on. I sort of wear them in order. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm not obsessive about it, but I'm reasonably organized. <laughs> and what's it. the cleaning process? I don't know anything about suits. <laughs> it's called dry cleaning. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, how many times can you well. wear one until you have to clean it? Uh, well, that's a good question. I, I sort of routinely cycle through them. <laughs> Well, it is a good question because obviously you can't really tell if a suit has been worn five times or ten. But if you get right. a big lunch stain on it, sure. I've, I've been known it to starts do that. to smell a little bit. Well, yeah. if, you t- if there are obvious signs <laughs> for cleaning, then that's the time to clean. But no, I just do it as a matter of course and sort of roughly in order. Cool. It says Take nothing to do with anything, but uh, the Doherty's down there and they're. <laughs> In their dry cleaning monopoly on Kemp Road and let them take care of the problems. <laughs> this has nothing to do with anything, but I once got one of my ties on CTV. 
Oh. Because our friend Jeff yes. was working for CTV at the time, and it was Remembrance Day. Okay. And I don't believe it was you, but one of the anchors, I guess, had shown up with a non-red tie, and okay. Jeff was tasked to go get a red tie. And I ran into him on his bike. And he's like, I got to find a red tie. And I was like, I have several if you want to borrow one. <laughs> and I'm sure the residuals or royalties for that were lucrative. Yeah, Jacob, well, Jacob's actually very I told my fancy. mom. She was proud. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to ask something serious? Sure. This is all serious, isn't it? <laughs> it's important. This is it serious? <laughs> News is both the interesting and this is the important. Something a good interesting question, relaxed, but, but in the middle. This is a good question, but okay. now in place, it's, it reads very dumb. Okay. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> What's the secret to a great interview? Um, I think curiosity is the is the cornerstone on which all journalism is based, and interviewing demands curiosity, and I think it also demands persistence, and that's something that I've tried to change over the years too. Um, I'm sometimes accused of being too persistent with people, even to the point maybe of asking the same question three or four times. But I think that you have to be persistent and you have to let your listener or viewer know that you are earnestly trying to get an answer to a question that you think they would like to hear. Yeah. So curiosity, obviously, ask the questions that are based really on curiosity. Don't don't get into asking questions maybe that try to impress because it, it isn't really about that. Mm-hmm. And there, are, listen, there are interviewers who are very impressive, um, but questions that are designed to impress to me, are of far less value than questions that are designed to elicit good information. So curiosity and persistence, I would say. What when? You, what about when you don't care yourself? You're like, <laughs> I don't care about this, but you have to give it the same quality I shouldn't and be doing interviews I don't care about. Right, we do, we, we We pick one subject today. Hopefully it's something driven by the news agenda or an interesting person, and we that's the one we should do. If we are doing interviews about subjects about which we do not care, we shouldn't be doing them. How about this, though? I mean, you... Surely there are days you come in, it's Sunday shopping again, yep. something. <laughs> How do you make yourself care about something, knowing that it is important and people care, but maybe you personally in this moment? Well, if it's the same issue, Jacob, coming around again, then presumably there must be something new or different about it. So I guess my answer to that would be find whatever is new and relevant and and focus on that. Uh, I also, I'm also interested in the people I'm interviewing as much as the subject quite often. And uh, part of my research process now involves always finding out about the person I'm interviewing in addition to the subject about which Mm. I'm interviewing them. Because quite often people who may be sitting in the chair to discuss one subject actually have a context or a background that makes their information even more interesting. And it does help to know who is sitting there and what their influences or context might be. Hmm. So I spent some time doing that too. And you find out very, very interesting things about people. I had the ambassador of Cuba to Canada on the broadcast last night. And she is the representative of the government that is headed by a new president of Cuba, the first non-Castro to be president of Cuba. And I researched her and I researched the new president and I found out that the three of us had all been born roughly around the same time. Mm -hmm. And that made us all roughly 58 years old. And that immediately told me something about her context and his, although I'd never met her until yesterday and I have not met him. But we all grew up in the same time. They grew up in communist Cuba. I grew up in Canada. But we all grew up post the Cuban Revolution Hmm. and in a world where we had nuclear threats under which we were children. We've all lived through the process of the 
decline of the Soviet Union, the fall of the Berlin Wall. So that immediately changed my perspective on her just a little bit because of what I saw as a bit of a shared, only shared time on the planet. Mm -hmm. Our experiences were certainly not largely shared, but our time on, on the globe made us at least a little bit similar. Uh, doing research for this podcast last night, I was looking up some old clips, yeah. and I found one from 2016, the presidential election, right? where you were coming live to the national desk from Maine. Right. And it's the only time I could remember you, uh, a rare time not seeing you behind the desk, but seeing oh, you down wow. in the States. No, I've, I've been off the desk yeah. a lot. <laughs> the thing is, we don't go off the desk maybe as much as we used to, because of course now we have all news channels that do that. But no, I've done a lot of remote broadcasts over the years, and we, we still do them when we feel that there's an exceptional reason to do it. In the case of 2016 in Maine, we knew that it was going to be a consequential election because either Hillary Rodham Clinton would be elected and become the first woman a chief executive of the United States or Donald J. Trump would become president of the United States. And we also knew that Maine, because of the unique way they elect people in Maine, could be very, very significant. So mm -hmm. we did our broadcast from the State House in Augusta and then the network had us go to uh, a nice little town sort of up the road where we were with some Democrats ready to party who spent the whole night crying in mm. their beer. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> lots of tears and lots of beers. And no, it was a great it was a great perspective. And it was a totally interesting place to be. Um, but that's part of what we do uh, in, in journalism is, you know, get to interesting places and hopefully find interesting stories to tell when we get there. Do you enjoy that part of it? Like going travel, doing the remote sort of stuff that maybe oh, yeah. an anchor doesn't always get to do? Sure. I, I enjoy doing it. It's not easy. People think that when you travel that it must be luxurious, and, you know, it usually isn't. You're maybe in the back of a van uh, editing stuff on a laptop and staying in a reasonably nice budget hotel. <laughs> but it's, there's no hardship here. Uh, this is strictly first world complaining. There's no hardship. But it's not... Um, fancy. Eh, that's right, Tara. It's not fancy. But, uh, but it's fun, and it's, you know, it's very, very interesting to do. You mentioned the the sort of the news channels. I do wonder in 2018, what is the value of an hour long supper hour newscast? Well, I think the value has changed and it's probably yeah. increased in some respects. But uh -huh. here are the values as I see them. First, it's principally local. And although we can all get all kinds of news and all kinds of information from all kinds of sources and platforms, a lot of it is not very local and not very relevant. So being local is very, very valuable. There's a premium attached to local information now. The coast proves that. Mm -hmm. uh, this podcast proves that. People want local. I don't know if this and, podcast proves that. <laughs> well, you haven't seen our numbers. What are your numbers? No, <laughs> uh, no you know what I'm driving at. There's yeah. a reason to do this because you have to be in Halifax to do it. So I think local has real value. Second of all, we about uh, 15 years ago got back into the long form interviewing game, mm -hmm. which is something that was not being done in the market and is still not being done much on television. You work on Information Morning, which is a program that does still do long form, and by that I mean more than two or three minutes. Mm -hmm. We do six, seven, eight, nine, ten, up to 15 or 18 minutes a day, depending on what we think is necessary and um, what we think is valuable. So I think there's a particular value attached to that. And incidentally, the ratings on the long-form interviewing on our program are very good. Right. So we know that the public does embrace that format. Not every viewer will want every interview. We know that too. But we think there's a general demand for it. Third, 
in the uh, in the world where everyone, or at least most people, can self-aggregate their own information, it's nice to have somewhere you can go where you've done, where you've had the aggregation done for you by people who you trust or at least rely on. So the irony is the more information there is out there and the more platforms people have to choose from, the more work it becomes to get a buffet of stories. So I think that's what the newscast, the supper hour is now. It's a it's a uh, pre-aggregated selection with which all you have to do is sit down. You don't actually have to type. You don't right. actually have to surf. You don't actually have to do very much except consume it. So I think they'd be the three sort of principal values of it. I'll also point out it is still free. Right. It is still supported by advertisers. We're not charging you to do it. It is there. It's on the air. It is online. You don't have to have a cable. By the way, I want to put I want to put I want to put the lie to the notion of cable cutting. I don't care whether you're cutting cable. You don't need a cable to consume television. You don't. It's on the air. It's now called Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as broadcasting. It's all in my pocket. <laughs> so uh, it's it's all still there, but it's free. And if you have an aerial attached to your TV, you get it for free. The advertisers are picking up all the cost, and my corporate masters, of course, are <laughs> determining how much of it we spend on news. And they spend plenty, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> they, they spend plenty. Jump in that. Just another minder about the hand on the table. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you're getting fired here up. I, it's here minor, but going, you're getting fired here up. Here I am going with the hat, and I promised you I wouldn't do that. No, no, no. Hey. But the, <laughs> Just kidding. That, um, that's what happens when I start preaching, yeah. you see. Cut that loose, Sorry. obviously. Are you going to cut that out? Oh, we're yeah, going yes. to leave this yes, in. Yes, or yeah, cut no, that no, out. no. We don't, we're not going to. Um, no, leave it in. I want this left in. Okay. No, I do. I do. Okay. Leave it in. All right. <laughs> and no one will ever know whether this was left in, unless it's left in. And if you're not hearing this, it wasn't left in. Sorry about that. Sorry. No. Right. Uh, it's it's interesting because you you talk about the media landscape right now, and it's a cliche, but I think you're one of the voices that people trust in news. And yet, overall, how people trust the media is probably rock bottom right now, and we've seen a lot of... Not sure I agree with that. Okay. I'll tell you why I say that. Uh, there is a term, and I'm going to use it once and then not use it again, <laughs> fake news. Mm-hmm. News cannot be fake by nature. If you are watching what is truly news, it is fair, accurate, and balanced. If it's anything other than those three things, it is not news. To the general public, though, a lot of times they can't tell the difference. It's well, packaged up to look like news. That's why branded and proven news sources are more valuable. And the difference between the self-published, no disrespect, blogger or tweeter <laughs> and an established news organization is that we are required both by license and law to accept authorship and responsibility for that which we promulgate. So if, for example, I go on the air tonight and say something about you and it's untrue and I damage you, you can sue and you know who to sue. It's not like the Wild West of all other media about which I have nothing negative to say, except that it's not accountable mm -hmm. in the way that, uh, that proven media are. So uh, again, I come back to the point that real news will be fair, accurate, and balanced. And if you have a problem with it, you can go to the Broadcast Council, you can go to the CRTC, and you can go to the courts, and you can seek, and you can get restitution. Hmm. And that is what authorship 
provides. And that's why branded news is going to be even more valuable in the future. And by the way, I'm a very equal opportunity information consumer, but I always know whether it's news or something else. And I encourage people listening to us today to take the extra step to run it through your filter, run it through your brain, and ask, is this news or is it something else? And you can actually tell if you begin to, if you test it just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, can, as Tara said, we've we've mentioned your name on virtually every episode <laughs> related to events happening in the city. Can we run through Absolutely. some of these mentions? Because I feel sure. like you might have some stories. Yeah, sure. First being, you brought up fake news, so we'll start here. 1997, <laughs> Craig Silverman, now a BuzzFeed coiner of the term fake news, mm-hmm. is writing for the coast about Halifax's new mandatory bike helmet laws. He asked to measure your head. You refused. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't ring a bell. Don't, don't remember. <laughs> where, where, did he come to the station? Or I have we no know. idea. He measured Walter Fitzgerald's head. Uh, John Hamm also refused. It uh, was to see if know, they went. Were if too they big were for over him. the sixty-four centimeters where you were allowed to not wear a helmet, then I should have uh, brought a measuring tape. Boy, I, I don't know why I would have refused. Maybe, there was a <laughs> Maybe you were busy. It, was he working? He was working for the coast yeah. at the time. Oh, well, <laughs> okay. I mean, I was, was, who, who was this again? It was <laughs> Craig Silverman. Craig, sorry about that, Craig. I got a huge head. Uh, I can barely find a hat that fits. I don't know why I would have refused it. Anyway, nothing personal. Fair enough. (laughs) Okay, well, we're talking today, uh, the power outage, you already mentioned this, the power outage today Hmm. is second only to Hurricane Juan. Do you remember Hurricane Juan? Do you have any memories of that? On the air till the lights went out. We actually had generation and we were... Uh, we were sending signal out on the air, but also to head end, which means out to cable. So a lot of people were watching us until the lights went out. Peter Code and I were on the air. And uh, when they came to us and said, that's it, there's nobody left with power, that's when we signed it off. Wow. So we were on the air until it was, I don't know, quarter to one, half past 12. Wow. And then Peter actually drove me home. We almost didn't make it. We were going around the corner at Young and Roby Street. I lived in the West End at the time. And we almost uh, got blown over. Wow. Uh, Imagine now, I'm driving with the guy who, to his credit, properly and accurately forecast Hurricane Juan before anybody else, and we almost didn't make it home, and it was a two and a half minute drive. Peter, I think, stayed at his son's house in the West End that night, and I remember getting home in a house that was built probably around the Second War, the end of the Second War, and listening to the whole house creak, (laughs) waiting for the big tree next door to come down, which it finally did, not on my house, but... Yeah, sure. Never forget it. Four years later, 2007, Peter Code leaves yeah. CTV, defects yeah. to CBC. Yeah, it was interesting because Peter retired and then I think uh, probably Andrew Cochran, who is oh, somebody been... for whom I have enormous respect, a, a brilliant broadcaster. I think maybe Andrew saw the opportunity to take him out of retirement. Um, he did a great job for them. He did a great job for us. Mm-hmm. I, I'm over saying anything other than the truth about the competition. And Peter Code was good when he worked for us. He was great when he worked for them. Kaylin Mitchell was great on the CBC. He's great for us. Cindy Day, great when she worked for us. Great working for the Herald. No, fantastic guy. Invented weather, by the way. So old that Peter Code invented weather. Don't cut that part out. No, Peter's a great guy. Oh, I, I'm interested to see what you're going to say about this one. Lloyd Robertson hmm. retired in 2010. Oh, now you've yeah. done you've done the national debt. You've been up on the national desk yep, a couple times. Yep. Was that ever an option for you? No, not really. Not really. I decided, I don't know exactly when, but quite a long time ago, that I wanted to stay here doing uh, what I was doing and what I am doing. And I don't often say never. You can't 
ever say never <laughs> say never, but I don't often say never. And I wouldn't preclude that even now something could happen that might change my mind. But I stayed here because I like it. It was good for my family. And I actually love where we live. So no, it was not, not something to which I aspired. There were people who suggested that I should be interested in it. Um, and I was very flattered when I did uh, substitute for Lloyd on a number of occasions. And he was always very gracious about it. But no, I never really saw that as something that was not a goal or an ambition. Was it different to, to helm a national news show? Like, did it feel different? Uh, feels different. Well, it felt different. A, the audience was big. I mean, a million, million two at that time, probably. Now, mind you, at that time, we had three or 400,000 viewers. So you're, you're used to fairly big audiences. It felt different because it was Lloyd Robertson's chair, Lloyd mm -hmm. Robertson's desk. I grew up in Canada in the 1960s and 1970s listening to Lloyd, watching Lloyd. Then I got to know Lloyd. And I'll tell you, to be privileged enough to sit in his chair with his encouragement, that was an amazing thing, mm -hmm. a generous thing on his part, and an intimidating thing. Because he was and yeah. is the gold standard. I'm sorry. I, You know, to me, there's, there's Lloyd and there's Cronkite. They are the two guys who right. cast oh. the big shadows in my life. And, Shots uh, fired to Mansbridge. Oh, no, no, no disrespect <laughs> to Mansbridge. It's, it's that Peter came along later. Yeah. Um, when I was watching the guys land on the moon in 69, it was Lloyd Robertson and Walter Cronkite. Oh, no, no disrespect to Peter <laughs> Mansbridge at all. But he wasn't He wasn't the guy when I was a child. Right. Um, Jacob really trying to get you to trash talk some people. <laughs> yeah, I'm not much into the trash talk. That's dish. Uh, try not to. No, try not to. Spill tea. Yeah. Steve. Spill tea. Yeah, no. You told me not to touch the table. I'm not spilling any tea. 2008. Yeah. You were retired in the coast as best of Halifax, best news anchor, because no one else was going to win it. Oh, yeah. That's incredible. Also the year of the infamous, maybe, Stefan Dion interview. Oh, infamous for sure. Misunderstood. What happened? What happened? Well, yeah. you'll have to be more specific in the questions <laughs> because there were a lot of things that happened. What basically happened is we went down to the Delta Barrington to do an interview with the leader of the Liberal Party, whom I'd interviewed before, and we did an interview as we would with anybody else, and for whatever reason, midway through the first answer, Mr. Dion stopped and wanted to start again, something that I never do because our interviews are live or live to tape, very, very seldom edited for anything other than technical reasons. And it was a bit weird. So we did a restart on the question and then he did it again. And then somebody translated for him and we did it again. And so, I mean, it was a very, very odd situation. That's what actually happened. The what happened afterward, uh, there was a decision taken that because it was a federal election campaign and there had been questions about uh, Monsieur Dion's fluency in English, mm -hmm. that there might be a public interest served by reporting and revealing that Monsieur Dion appeared to have problems understanding a question. Now, I never took a position on that because I know there are two reasons why people don't answer questions. Mm -hmm. One is because they don't understand the question or the second is because they don't want to answer or, you know, they don't like the answer that they're giving. And I'm not sure, and I've never spoken with Mr. Dion about it since. I don't know which it was, but I think there was a feeling uh, editorially at the senior levels in our organization that this was something the public should know. So there was a decision made to to broadcast the outtakes, as they were called. It's sort of an odd term for an yeah. interview because there really aren't outtakes in my interviews because we don't really edit them that way. But that was a decision for which we were criticized, for which I was criticized. 
And as I say, I, I accept it. Uh, I'm the face of the product and I don't make all the decisions, but I have to accept that the public, some members of the public, particularly liberals, didn't like it. But there is a lot about the incident that I think was sort of misreported or maybe we, we, we didn't really, we didn't clarify what had happened. And there were, there were certainly no assurances given by me to Mr. Dion that it wouldn't be aired. Right. Because right. it wasn't my place to make those assurances. And the other thing that was weird about it is that, you know, to be quite honest, it's the kind of thing that just doesn't happen. There's no, there's no playbook for it. Right. And most of the interviews I do... Uh, today and then are live to tape. And, you know, Mr. Dion and his people knew that. So the idea that he would ask for a restart caught me totally off guard. That mm-hmm. was not something for which I was prepared and wouldn't even be today. Right. I'm not even sure how I would answer today. What am I supposed to say? No, we can't restart. <laughs> we're live to tape and we're going to leave this in just like we did earlier in this yeah. podcast. I mean, <laughs> I was you know what I'm thinking saying? that this whole answer. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an odd situation. And uh, the other thing about it, and this will be my final comment, I know a lot of broadcasts do edit interviews for time. We don't. Mm-hmm. And those those people in our business who said, well, editing is routine and this is something that happens all the time, maybe generally true, maybe true of their programs, was not true of our program then or now. Oh, I get to ask. I get to ask yep. the money question. Okay. The money question. So, uh, for two thousand and six, we reunited the original cast of Street Sense, and Jonathan Torrance <laughs> told that us show. a John story. Nowell was the creator of that show? Yes, and yep. Jonathan Tor- Torrance told us an anecdote that you were once were delivered to a family barbecue function or reunion or something via helicopter. Oh, that's well. Uh... Fixed Jim Nunn's plane, I think. something to do <laughs> yeah, with Yeah, yeah. Well, Jim I was Nunn? married to Jim's sister yes. at the time, and, and yes. Noreen is is my daughter's mom, and uh, they have a lovely cottage, or well, their late mother had a lovely cottage down in St. George's Bay, and um, we were doing a, a series on Live at Five at the time called Celebrate the Maritimes, and we went all around the Maritimes. We had a caravan. There was a motorhome with the technicians on board and a production truck. And uh, Laura Lee Langley and Nancy Regan and I would fly in literally the day of the show and do the show and then fly out. So uh, the first season, it was in a Bell Long Ranger helicopter, which was tremendous because, you know, you see the world from 300 or 400 feet and it's incredible. And the second season, I think we were using, I know we were using a fixed wing amphibious aircraft. So... By and by, I was on vacation with my in-laws at that time down in St. St. George's Bay, and I had to get out to a remote, so the plane landed and picked me up at the <laughs> wharf, and I flew out and did the show, and when it was over, they dropped me home. That's it was badass. hilarious. You're very humble, but that, <laughs> that is was, oh, it was amazing. Great. It's cool. It was, oh, look, come on, are you kidding? And it was back in the days when that kind of cool was possible. I mean, we're not flying around at fixed It's actually a better now. story than the one Jonathan told. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's like ex- like they pick you up and I think getting picked off. off by the plane, yeah. picked up by the plane is almost better. Yeah, my car is oh, here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it, it was really quite something. I, I don't remember the circumstances. It may have been, you know, we were doing two or three of these remotes a week. So the crew was on the road all the time. But we were doing shows in the studio and then going out by plane or helicopter the next day. I think it might have been a long weekend or something, and maybe, I, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but I do remember that they popped down and picked me up. Now, here's a question. Funny. Is there any is there any reason you'd CTV would helicopter you anywhere now? Is that in the budget um, these days? In the budget. <laughs> I, I would think that, you know, getting getting us there... There, there could be reasons to do it, but the technology has changed so much right. that it's not really as yeah. necessary. Yeah, fair. They just drop a drone. 
Well, it, it, sort of drones. I mean, we have these digiros, which now basically broadcast television signals on cell phones. Wow. Hmm. So the idea that you would have to be picked up and delivered somewhere, it could still happen, but there would be far fewer reasons to do it. And it's a lot cheaper to use the technology. Uh, speaking of transport, can I interrupt? Sure. Since we have a segue. Hmm. Um, you and I are connected in that we both cannot drive a car. Like, I can drive a you car. You can drive one. Well, I've, I've driven a car. Now, I can't I, drive sorry, a car legally. We are not licensed to drive Correct. cars. Correct. Yeah. Like our friend uh, Don Connolly, uh, who retired right. this year. None of us are drivers. <laughs> How, has it, do people like bug you to do it? Are you over it? Are you ever going to do it? Um, I feel like I'm not. You know there are several questions in there, Thorne. Uh, <laughs> people bug me. They think it's a curiosity. Do you know the number of people in this town who know that neither Connolly nor I drive? It's quite amazing. <laughs> yeah. It comes mainly from cab drivers, <laughs> some of whom... We have educated their families, Connolly and me, with those cab fares. I mean, you, th- you, think of, you think of the thousands and thousands of dineros that have gone into those taxis yep. that would otherwise not have. Uh, no, to be serious, people find it an anomaly and they yeah. find it odd. Here's what's really interesting about it. Uh, I don't drive a car for one simple reason. That is when I was 16 and I learned to drive, I was working in radio and I never got around to getting a license. I just never did. And then when I moved to Halifax, I was living on the peninsula. My first place was at the Wellsford up on Roby Street. There was no reason to get a car. There was no place to park it and I couldn't afford a car. And then all of a sudden it is 38 years later. So (laughs) it's almost like that. So yeah, people find it to be a novelty. Uh, It is odd. I freely admit that it's odd. Will I do it? I wouldn't I wouldn't preclude doing it, but I, I get by yeah, now. My yeah. life is fine without actually driving a car. You could call a plane, too. Sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, that's how I got here today for this interview. <laughs> yeah, we took the uh, the uh, the CTV chopper from our parking lot <laughs> over here across the street. But no, I mean, I walk everywhere. I, I love walking. We have a very walkable city. Yeah, we do. We well, do. not always in winter, but I, not I, always in winter, I no. now use it to be snooty about my carbon footprint. <laughs> Me well, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good. There's a good excuse for you. Yeah, that's true though. There are there are not many people who choose not to be licensed. I find it. This is, I guess, maybe sort of heady, but uh, I, I, as a journalist, walking around the city mm. is one of the better ways to just be aware of things. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's serious question now. Okay. <laughs> twenty five years we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> It feels, it feels like yeah. covering 25 years. You've been on that anchor desk 25 yep. years. What is the story of Halifax over the past quarter century? How would you sum it up? The big picture yeah. story of Halifax? Um, you don't even need a minute. You're ready. <laughs> no. Well, here's the thing. I moved here. Uh, let me go back to 1980. I moved here in May of 80, so I've been here almost 39 years. From St. John, correct? From St. John, NB. Mm-hmm. When I moved here, there were about a quarter of a million people in metropolitan Halifax. And the population of Nova Scotia was around 900,000, 925 maybe. Today, the population of the HRM, which is a little bigger than Metro, is about 425,000. And the population of Nova Scotia is almost the same. So what has happened is that in the last 25 years, particularly the central part of Halifax has, well, Halifax County has grown while the rest of the province has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And almost all of the issues that we have in Nova Scotia today are the result of that. Hmm. The reason that we are having ERs close in beautiful little places that have fabulous little hospitals, Muscadabit Harbor, uh, Liverpool, Yarmouth, the reason is because so many of the people who used to be there are here now. And 
the yin to that yang is across the street from where we are standing, right actually beside us, is a building of 18 stories, and it's one of five or six of these 18 to 20-story buildings that have been built in the north end. So for me, the story is that Halifax has become... Halifax has sort of become like the Winnipeg of Nova Scotia. And I'm not, I'm not saying that with any particular glee or, or joy, because small-town Nova Scotia is, a, a, is an endangered species. And the people who live there and love there, it's, it's hard for them. This city, however, has become quite, quite a bit more dynamic. Um, this is not the city that it was when I moved here in terms of the ethnicity. Uh, we are now a truly multicultural place. I love the fact that we have... I don't know, I've heard, I think you talk about this. We've got so much music. We've got so much food. We've got so much culture. You can hear so many languages being spoken mm-hmm. in what used to be a, like a little British colonial outpost. <laughs> I mean, to be quite honest, and not that there was anything wrong with, you know, uh, w- w- with the heritage that existed there at that time, but it, it totally ignored the Aboriginal history of the place, which goes back, you know, untold millennia. And it... Uh, it 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 was a very very staid and a very very British button down <laughs> kind of place, and I think I think it's a much more dynamic place today. But that has that change has come at a great cost to the rural uh, lifestyle of Nova Scotia. Um, but as we get bigger, I think we can attract people from around the world, which we're doing now. And um, I guess that's the story of Halifax. It's it, it, it's a city that suddenly got through puberty and grew up. Fair enough. I wanted to ask that anyway. Jacob wrote this question, but I, I already thought of it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what is it uh, about Thanks, the, Tara. Yeah. What is it? Well, you don't do all the stuff. Okay. Just some of it. Most of it. Um, what is it about the news that keeps you excited to be on the desk five nights a week? Uh, different every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Same same themes recurring, but, you know, different different personalities, different issues, different solutions, different debates. Uh, more than that, maybe, is fascinating people. I've been privileged to meet more interesting people doing interesting things. And I think that's probably what does it for me now is when I go into work in the morning, a lot of days I don't really know what the day is going to serve mm. up. And quite often it serves up something that's really pretty delicious and unexpected. And it's a bit like a grab bag. You know, when you're a kid, you go to the store and You'd pay your nickel. Okay, you guys paid a dollar. I paid a nickel. <laughs> um, you'd open that grab bag. You didn't really know what was in there. Chances are it was going to be something good, something interesting. And occasionally you opened it up and there was something really extraordinary in there. And I think that's kind of kind of what keeps me doing it now. How do you feel when you get up in the morning, maybe you're a bit sick or you're mm. tired or or whatever, for whatever the reasons you can have a down day, you still have to, you're, you're an actor too. Like you still have to go out and put a performance on. Where do you, where do you judge that up when it's not... Right there. Well, I mean, there's a certain level of performance expected in the work that any one of us does. If you're not able to do the job, you probably shouldn't do it. If you're if you're too ill, if you're too out of sorts, uh, you shouldn't do it. I, I guess you could ask the same question, though, of almost any person. You have mm-hmm. to get yourself up to a certain level of performance, and most people who are professional and serious about what they do, they do that. And when you say there's a certain amount of acting involved, I would say that's true, but there's a certain amount of acting involved for all of us mm-hmm. because everybody gets up every day and puts on the costume. I, I described my, mm-hmm. you know, my suit to you earlier as it's, it's the costume or the uniform. We all put on our costume and uniform, uh, literally and figuratively, and we go out and do the best we can. You know? 
we could stand here and let you talk, yeah, say nice things about everyone all day, but uh, but you, we, need to, you, you have need to go, to go report go the news. Report on the storm. <laughs> yeah, there's a storm. Yeah. I'm the guy who comes out every night and says good evening, everyone, and then spends an hour telling you why it's not. <laughs> All right. But Let's there's always there. something interesting for last. <laughs> yes. If I was any yeah. good at all, I would have something. We should have saved the plane for that, I guess. No. Oh, this well. is good. Okay. Is Connolly going to do this? You get him in here, too. You know, I'd love to listen Connolly? to him. Connolly? Oh, yeah. well, we're out of episodes. <laughs> oh, now you tell me. But in 25 we, years, we'll yeah, get him If on. we do one for 2018, we could get we could get done. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see what we can figure out in the budget. Steve Murphy, you're a legend. Thanks, Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thanks for the invite. Take care. Great talking to you. That's it for 25 for 25, everyone. That's all. Tara, closing thoughts, closing <laughs> Head goodbyes. on the table here. Yeah. Closing thoughts. I don't know. I uh, I did not want to do this when it started, and it's become a uh, a very fun thing for me. And <laughs> very like, fun it's diversion like our, It's work. like our fun side project that yeah. sometimes we let people in on and sometimes we don't. <laughs> um it's just increased our annoyingness in the office for sure. But um, it's been really fun. And I said earlier, you did a lot of work and I just want to make sure that doesn't go unnoticed. So thank you for, I know, I mean, I feel like people don't know this. Like you, you have the parts all laid out. You have stacks of paper, you have questions, you know what things we're missing. You know what things we need to go back and catch up on. Like you're, you've got a real producer's mind and I didn't, I could have guessed, but I didn't really know it. And um, and I hope you uh, I hope you get to go to the National Podcast Network <laughs> and produce a show there. Any thoughts about Halifax over the past twenty five years? Um, well, it's kind of like what what Steve said. Yeah. Um, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's uh, we we still have the same issues, and I bet that's true of most cities our size. Um, so I guess, yeah, I I yeah. learned a lot, and I didn't learn anything, in, in some ways, you know what I mean. I don't know. I'm rambling because I'm trying not to be upset. You know, this project was about the 25 years the coast has existed. We've tried to, as best we can, document some of the events happening in that kind of arbitrarily chosen period. Maybe not chosen, but that arbitrary period. It's a finite time frame. But really what struck me is the depth of what we could have covered over the run of this podcast is really inexhaustible. And I'm not kidding to say we could go back and re-record Every single episode with new guests talking about different yet equally important stories from each of those years. We could probably do that two or three times, in fact. Um, There's something about this particular period in time, though, this quarter century, that I've sort of been thinking about as we've gone through it. We watched the art scene explode from the days of New Seattle to the faltering of NS film jobs. We saw Barrington Street come back to life and Gottagen Street gentrify. We saw the city, this big super city, come together under a bold new identity. And those are all the things that happened. But when we think of Halifax, what it is, I think what we're really talking about are the people who live here, even if only briefly. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to read a little bit from something just because I wanted to put these thoughts down on paper. But a constant theme to me in this episode has been chronicling the immense impact that a single person in this city can have on so many lives. The Helen Hills, the Raymond Tavels, we've seen it, you know, from squeegee kids and from the sons of premiers. We've seen it bring down mayors and topple statues. The refrain, the cliche about Halifax is where the biggest small town you'll ever be a part of. 
usually that's something to complain about, whether it's the shallow dating pool or these rich business tycoons wanting public money. We all just seem to end up getting fucked over and over again by the same people. Being in a small town basically makes history unavoidable. So we commodify these big titanic events of our past with tour groups, and we sanctify the explosive parts with memorials. But there are all these other small histories in a small town which are of no less value. And I keep thinking about all the countless tiny places and, and apartments scattered throughout the city, spaces that you or I or the listener may have visited, may have even lived in for a time, places where artists struggled, where albums were made and bands practiced, where parades and protests were organized, where people made friends or found love or even lost their lives. Uh, a place where six journalism students started their own newspaper. And uh, the old explosion print, right? We talked about this. It read, we shall never rebuild Halifax unless everybody works. Switch it around. Halifax is built by everybody. I think it's still being built by everyone. It's what works best about us. And I hope people come away from this podcast inspired by that, by the joy, the strength, the lives we can all touch in our brief time here on this earth before we all move away to Toronto. The tears were coming and then you Jacobed it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't end serious. That was amazing. Listen, Tara, thank you to you. But also, thank you to our guests, Jay Ferguson, L. Jones, Todd McCallum, Sharon Fraser, Mike Campbell, Chris Parsons, Jane Kansas, Glenn Walton, Mike Savage, Susan Dodd, Brian Titus, Emily Tipton, Tipton Stephen Kimber, Andrea Dorfman, Rick Conrad, John Simmons, Allison Saunders, Leah Ronaldo, Michael Nicholas, Joyce Carter, Stephanie Demet, Delvina Bernard, Mary Vingo, Fonts Jessam, Kirk Johnson, Condon McLeod, Gloria McCluskey, Leslie Lowe, Erica Butler, Jamie Bradley, Benita Ha, Brian Hyten, Jonathan Torrance, Lindell Smith, Kelsey Lane, Joel Plaskett, Matthew Aikens, Tim Bousquet, Juanita Peters, Rich O'Connor, Coin, Stephanie Johns, Barry Boyce, Sean McGilvery, Graham Steele, Selena Ross, Emily Davidson, Kate Lath, Corey Bowles, Tom Michael, Rebecca Thomas, and the great Steve Murphy. Yeah, that sounded awesome. I almost started clapping. <laughs> also, thanks to the bands whose music we featured on these episodes. Sometimes I told you and sometimes I didn't. Mm. So I know some of them were surprised, but those names were Jail, Rebecca West, The Inbreds, The Super Friends, Thrush Hermit. Classified, Plumtree, The Hylozoist, Hopeful Monster, Winter Sleep, Jill Barber, Dog Day, Jen Grant, Joel Plaskett, Amelia Curran, Tanya Davis, Rich O'Coyne, Jenna Berry, Rhea May, Thriller, Thrilla, apologies, Quiet Parade, Aaron Costello, and whoever I pick for 2017. We don't know yet. We'll see. We'll see. It should be Dance Movie. Maybe, and thanks to Dance Movie. <laughs> I won't get paid from that either. <laughs> um, and a very special thank you to Tara Joy Andrews, who designed our podcast logo logo and imagery. You can check more at tarajoyandrews.ca, as well as to Lewis Rendell, Allison Saunders, the Central Library, and Public Archives staff for their research help. Big thank you to them, yes. Um, who else? We have more thank yous. Yes. Everyone here at Village Sound. Oh, uh, Jason McIsaac is one of my favorite people walking the earth. Luke is incredibly tolerant <laughs> to a, <laughs> to a, oh man, to a saint-like degree yes. of our constant takes and retakes. We're over right now and he's just like, it's fine. <laughs> Arthur as well. We oh, love Arthur. Chelsea out there listening. There she is. Yeah. <laughs> You're all great. Thank you so much. Thank you to our colleagues who put up with their nonsense every day, especially big thanks to our boss. Bosses, Kyle Shaw and Christina Reskovich, they founded the coast 25 years ago without either of them. We wouldn't have jobs, nor would we have been able to attempt this wacky little project. It's crazy what we've been able to do. Oh, I love it. Yeah. 
I hope everyone enjoys it for years to come. Tara, if people have comments, criticisms, questions, or just want to yell, yell at us, what should they do? They could send all that fan mail to letters at the coast.ca. Yeah. You know what else they could do? If they're <laughs> listening on iTunes, they could rate us five goddamn stars and bump us up to the top. Yeah. Do it, everyone. Because, because just to help us out. 25 for 25 was produced by the coast in proud partnership with Village Sound. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Bye. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. 